Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, we continue our ongoing spotlight on entrepreneurship here at the Darden School of Business with a conversation with Jake Eichengreen and Nick Farmer, two second-year students in our full-time MBA class of 2023. Jake and Nick recently competed in UVA's Entrepreneurship Cup with a concept called Tuckamore Development Partners. Uh, This concept is focused on decarbonizing the built environment and accelerating the adoption of mass timber building materials as a replacement for concrete and steel. This conversation touches on a lot of different things. Jake and Nick talk about their MBA journeys and what led them to Darden, but they also talk a lot about how their venture has grown and evolved during their time here at Darden. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, Here's my interview with Jake Eichengreen and Nick Farm, two second year students in our full-time MBA class of 2023. Nick, Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, it's, great to have, it's great to have you all here. Um, it's an exciting time of year. It's December. Uh, things are, are winding down. Does it feel like things are winding down for you all? Uh, Nick, how's everything going? Doing great. Uh, yeah, it's nice to be nearing the end of the quarter here. Um, and Jake's put together a nice trip for us over the coming weeks, which he can tell you about, but we're pretty pumped. All right. Well, Jake, uh, in addition to being a Darden student, do you also, uh, are you also a travel agent? <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, just I uh, like having a good time with people I care about. So this time I took on the work of figuring out what our winter break trip was going to be. So there's a uh, Five of us Darton students and a few of our partners are going down to South America and we're going to trek the O circuit in Patagonia, which is uh, eight days on the trail. Then we're going to stop in Ecuador on the way back for like another 40 miles. So, uh, you know, we're going to spend our break walking, which I know some people might think is not that much fun, but I think all of us are pretty stoked about it. Do you need any podcast coverage on this (laughs) Patagonia venture? (laughs) Yes, there's always a base. Yeah, you're welcome to join. We'd love to have you. I just like I like the idea that who's that person trailing behind you with a microphone? Uh, well, that, that's our it's a podcast host. I, li- I like that. Well, thank y'all both for for doing this. Um, it's exciting to have you on here. Um, past uh, seasons, we've had student uh, teams that participated in the E Cup and on on the podcast to talk about their ventures, to talk about that experience. Uh, at, at these conversations are always fun. Before we get to that point of talking about uh, your idea and your venture, I want to set the stage a little bit and talk a little bit more about about you. So, Jake, um, tell us who are, who are you? What did you do before coming to Darden? Yeah, absolutely. My, so, my name is Jake Eichen Green. Um, I'm actually originally from Southern Colorado. Uh, I did my undergrad at Wesleyan out in Connecticut, kind of a classic liberal arts degree. And then my whole career coming uh, up to when I started at Darden was in the entrepreneurship space. Um, I started a small company in, in Uganda. I started a second company back home in Colorado, which I ran for a few years. Um, but really for me, you know, I felt like neither of the companies I built uh, were exactly what I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, they were very interesting, very rewarding. Um, but I wanted to find a way to do work that was um, a little bit more national in, in scale and uh, much more meaningfully connected to solving climate change. Um, and what drew me to Darton was really the academic experience. I um, loved my undergrad in that I got to really kind of dig deep in the classroom. And it was Darton's reputation for academics, the relationship with the faculty, uh, and then also the location at Charlottesville, because I love being outside, um, that really sealed the deal for me. All right. Uh, Nick, how about you? Tell us more about you and your background. Yeah, sure. So thanks for having us again. Nick Farmer, I'm from Medfield, Massachusetts, originally New England area. Uh, Six years worked at the U.S. Agency for International Development and Humanitarian Assistance out of D.C., Uh, so responding to international disaster crises abroad. My main bailiwick was really doing private sector engagement, so working with companies to understand that there's value working at the disaster risk reduction and response phase so that they can get back up and operational after a disaster goes through their area. And unfortunately, that's becoming more and more frequent as the result of climate change. So got to the point where I was having conversations with the companies and we were talking to a lot of their corporate social responsibility folks. But I wanted to be able to have those long-term partnership conversations that impact the bottom line and realized I couldn't do that without an MBA. So so threw my hat in. And Brett, you actually were the one that called me uh, to offer me admission to Darden a couple of years ago. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, we always say it. That is the best uh, part of the job when you get to call yeah. people and say... 
guess what? I've got great news. You've been admitted to Darden. That never gets old. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, well, thrilled to have you here on the show. And I, one of the questions I always like to start with, because I think it's good for prospective students to hear, um, you know, did you always know that you wanted to pursue an MBA? Uh, so Nick, you mentioned you got to a point where, okay, MBA is probably the next thing for me. Is it Was that an old idea? Was that a new idea? Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. I spent my undergrad studying Russian studies and, and international relations. I thought I wanted to stay in the public sector, um, but eventually got to the point where I realized that companies can have a lot of the impacts that I wanted to see the government doing. And oftentimes they're there for a longer period of time, have, have more um, more skin in the game, so to speak, in some of the markets that they operate in. Uh, so I started kind of poking around. I was looking at uh, master's in, in econ programs, um, international affairs as well, and then started toying around with the idea of an MBA, talked to the anybody who would listen to me at, at Darden pretty much. And uh, it just, all, all the things that I wanted to get out of a program, it all started clicking. And um, especially with the rigor of the, uh, the academic program here, something I wanted to get up to speed given my background was in the social sciences. And um, definitely have gotten that so far. So wasn't always part of the plan, but uh, what ended up being a, a pretty, pretty key piece. How about you, Jake? Uh, MBA, something you always thought about? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Nick. I actually uh, decided to pursue my MBA you know, a year before actually coming to Darden, like the the same cycle that I submitted my applications. And I, I always kind of thought I would go to law school if I was going to pursue graduate school. Um, you know, similar to Nick, I also did the liberal arts background uh, and sort of always thought that I would move in the direction of law or the public space, public sector, public sector work somehow, um, accidentally became an entrepreneur, uh, enjoyed that. And then as I was kind of thinking about next steps in my life and reflecting on the work that I really like to do, I had already actually taken the LSAT. Uh, twice. Um, and I was just reflecting on it and realizing that I really enjoy the work of taking a bunch of data and having to figure out what to do with it and making decisions in ambiguity and basically thinking about, you know, how do you solve problems? How do you move forward? How do you move an organization forward? How do you lead a team forward? And the more I thought about it, the more feedback I was getting that like, this is not necessarily a legal education that you want. It's you want to stay in business, Jacob, and, and keep moving. So, um, so that, that kind of inspired the pivot to an MBA, and I'm really happy I did it. How do you become an accidental entrepreneur? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I, was, I spent a lot of my undergrad conducting uh, economic research in Uganda on microfinance loans, and the research sort of led me to an idea about a company that, like a company structure that could do microfinance in a way that I felt would be um, better for communities. Uh, Microfinance loans are remarkable at, at spurring economic growth, but um, without getting into the weeds of the research, there were just some social impacts that weren't stellar. And I came up with this concept. Um, a friend of mine did a fellowship after he graduated from Westland in entrepreneurship. He recommended that I look into it. Um, and I just sort of, you know, kind of followed that. And so sort of on accident, I ended up actually having the opportunity to build that company that I, or at least to start the company that I wrote about, um, in my research and it didn't end up being successful, but it was one of those things where it sort of gave me a taste of that, of that field and, um, and a taste of business. Well, you both have mentioned the Darden academic experience as something that led you to Darden, um, and I also, as I, as I was listening to your stories, you both sound like people who really enjoy school. Um, at least that's the impression that I got from the way you talked about uh, the things that you did before coming to Darden. So, so Jake, what was it about the Darden academic experience that, that resonated with you? Yeah, Brent, I think you picked up on it. I am a huge nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think I think more than anything, it, it was the 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 faculty relationships. Um, and I think I had a sense of what they were going to be like or, you know, how special they were through the conversations I had with Darden students or just kind of listening to this podcast or um, engaging on various different admissions events. Uh, but then when I got in the classroom, there are just so many moments where it actually felt like a professor who has taught this class however many times has an individual relationship with me, one of 70 in the section, and is tailoring the moment that he or she calls on me in class to match my growth. And it was it was those types of things where, you know, there's a lot of space in the Darden academic experience to experiment, to grow, to try things. And then there are professors who are incredibly tuned in. They're not over-present. They're not trying to over-architect the experience. But for me, it's really been one of, 
you know, they do very intentionally create these moments and these interactions and these relationships that then complement the experimentation I get to do, the, the intellectual experimentation I get to do myself. Um, I don't know. It's been really special for me. I, I don't even know if these words I've just said capture it. It's just really been, it's, it, it lands in that world of how great the faculty are. How about for you, Nick? What about the academic experience appeal to you? Yeah, so my whole MO going into an MBA program coming from the public sector, wanted to get really engaged with the core curriculum, really get those intimate relationships with my colleagues and, and the faculty. And Darden was really the only program that, that I was looking at that, that could touch all those points um, from the, the folks that I talked to in the, in the outreach phase um, and even when I got here. So I think when, when you're in the midst of the core, you're wondering how much you're, you're kind of retaining. And then you, you get out into your internship. And, and if you choose to do an entrepreneurial endeavor like Jake and I are doing, and you're like, oh, my, I can I can do quite a bit of things that I couldn't do before coming here. Um, so it's it's worth its weight in gold for sure so far. I appreciate your mentioning that summer between first year and second year. One of the things that's been mentioned here on the podcast is that internship or the experience that students have during that summer. It's a time where maybe a lot of things click into place. People are like, I get it now and I can do all this stuff and I'm getting asked all these questions and I feel comfortable answering them. And it becomes very valid, validating. And maybe when you're in quarter one or quarter two of your first year, you don't have that that picture yet, but it's coming. So, um, well, talk to us a little bit about um, your first year experience. Um, so, Nick, come to Darden. You mentioned having this this background and a little bit more liberal arts. And here you are. You're an MBA student. Um, what was your first year like? Yeah, so they you hit the ground running uh, in, in August. You start class. Uh, you do the core curriculum for three quarters. I came to school with my partner, uh, and we we found a nice place uh, near grounds to to put our dog and and hang out. Um, but it's it's pretty intense, honestly. You're new in class uh, for eight to two o'clock every day. About and you're doing learning team at, in the evening, but it really enables. Between that and the the makeup of the program being in sections, it really enables you to get very close to to the folks in your cohort. Uh, we have really small class sizes, so you get to know everybody at the school and develop intimate relationships with them, learn about their backgrounds, what they're recruiting for, and it it kind of multiplies and and accelerates your understanding of what the opportunities are coming out of these programs, along with the shared understanding um, of of the the issues we're discussing in the case method. Um, learning from your peers, very strong emphasis in the core. So it's it's a really fantastic way to learn. It's it's unlike anything that I have done in the past, but I, I found that that it was super valuable for me. What section were you? Section D, D Dragons. All right. Um, what was your favorite thing about being in Section D? I'd say we had we just had such a close close knit community, and uh, we just all hung out together and. You get to know the professors really well and, and how everybody's going to respond to certain questions and who's the finance person and everything else in the, in the classroom. Um, so just just coming together real closely is, is kind of a, a hallmark of the program there. All right, Jake. So you came to Darden. You were excited about the academic experience, this, this idea where you can sort of explore and learn more, get to know these incredible faculty. Uh, what was your first year like? Uh, similar to Nick. I mean, my first year was defined by my peers, I think, more so than anything. Like, obviously, the academics were what I came here for, and, and they delivered, but um, I had a similar experience of just bonding with my section so quickly, feeling like they were my peers, like they were very diverse, like I had um, the opportunity to get them know, get to know them very quickly and very deeply. Um, and it didn't take long for, you know, inside jokes to pop up in section, and so somebody would say a comment, and the whole class would giggle, and the professor would be very confused, because we all knew that that person was, of course, going to say that, or... Um, you know, somebody would bet somebody else to mention, you know, uh, something from a TV show or a song in their comments in class. You know, it, it, it became very playful um, and just this very tight community within the classroom, within the section. We'd socialize together. We'd hang out after after class. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I think my first year more than anything just had this rich community of people that I just enjoyed being with and still do. Where we're all still friends. It's interesting that you mentioned that sort of playfulness or that people are actually enjoying the experience, because I think sometimes when people talk about MBA programs, you start hearing about all the work, et cetera, et cetera. But every time I'm around a section or see the students engaging with each other, 
they actually seem to be really having a good time, like laughing. Um, they obviously have their in jokes. They, you have your own sort of culture that operates within that section. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. Um, yeah, we have a cheer in section C. I was section C, the cool, calm, collected, cheerful, charismatic. You know, I could keep going. Champions, yeah. of course. Um, and uh, we have our own cheer that involves a lot of shouting. It, it's very, it's very much of so a tight community. And I, I don't know, even the moments where we're sort of in pseudo petition with each other through some exercise or simulation like we're always still having a good time like at the end of of um, first quarter or sorry at the end of core we do a marketing simulation for the, the whole first year class called strats in and you're competing with other teams in your section and i remember uh and you don't know who's on which team you're just kind of competing through a digital interface for the first couple of days and then on the third day you start to figure out who's on which team and i remember that my friend jim was uh in the the learning team room next to me and it turns out his team kept producing these, you have to, you're simulating being car companies and his team kept producing cars. And then my team would totally clobber them with our, with our simulated cars. And we actually, we actually made him a bracelet with the name of one of our cars. It was just one of those things where like, we, we, I mean, it was an intense, you know, all day, eight to five simulation for three or four days in a row. And we just laughed our way through it and had a great time and learned at the same time. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was a blast. We really, I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate your sharing that. Um, it's the first time Stratsim has come up here on the podcast, but I think it's good for people to hear about it. Um, and our executive MBA students did it uh, during their second leadership residency uh, from the class of 2022. They also in, seem to really enjoy it. And so uh, I appreciate your mission here, Jake. They, so, yeah. they had the, the TV screens with how each team was doing when the execs were doing it. And the full-time students kept stopping by to see how everybody was doing. So it's a shared, it's a shared, it's a shared joy. <laughs> well, let's talk about how your summers went. Um, so, um, uh, Nick, how did you spend uh, your summer? Yeah, so I spent my summer at a FMCG company, and I was working on circular packaging. Um, basically, it, it scratched the itch of looking at a sustainability component of a, of a major multinational corporation, um, and really analyzing how people view sustainability within companies and. And the big takeaway that I had from that was people are super ant about trying to find sustainable solutions to some of the big problems that that they're uh, they're facing in, in their respective uh, channels, and companies are still figuring it out. Right? There's not any one answer to anything. I think one of the assumptions that I had coming in was you know you can have a playbook for FMCG, you can have a playbook for consumer packaged goods, but it's just needs to be so tailored to every specific environment. Um, that no no one person can can actually accomplish the sustainability goals. So the, the MBA kind of enables you to be a Swiss Army knife, so to speak. And you you know a little bit about operations. I was working on circular packaging, so I could call up my operations professor and ask them, "Hey, I've got this continuous loop problem that I'm dealing with," and they're like, "Oh, go read this and that academic article, and you can probably apply some of the models to the to the issue you're facing." Um, and it was just a, a great experience overall. You got really, really high level um, exposure to some of the executives in the company. And, and they're giving you some really hard challenges to work on over the summer that Darden definitely equips you to deal with. So it was, it was a great learning experience for sure. I enjoyed it. All right. I have a few follow-up questions. Um, yeah. What's FMCG? Yeah, great questions. Fast moving consumer goods. It was in the food and beverage industry. All right. And yeah. um, what's, this, what's circular packaging? Circular packaging. So this company in particular, uh, their whole bread and butter is bottles. They're a beer company. So they would issue bottles out into the market and expect them to, to return. They actually view them as capital expenditures for the company. It's their property. Um, so the, the issue set was really how do you predict when they're going to come back more so that you can go to your bottle manufacturers and, and put in the appropriate deliveries. They were spending a lot of money on um, on that system. So trying to figure out if there's operational efficiencies that could be created in there and if you could quantify the sustainable benefits for, for having that circular packaging system. Wow, super, super interesting. I'm probably also very complex to try to wrap your head around something like that. Yeah, it was fun, fun to noodle with it. <laughs> Did you know that you wanted to do something operational or was it the sustainability piece that really attracted you to that? Yeah, a little bit of both. I would, I would say I was lucky to get the sustainability component. Um, I was pretty, pretty, and, and pretty motivated. You'll see in our, our venture here about logistics, operations, supply chain is a huge part of the humanitarian ecosystem. Is trying to figure out how to get 
life-saving goods to people affected by disasters when roads are blown out and you know planes are flying all over the place with relief commodities um so there was an interesting parallel to my to my past life there and, and the fact that it was a sustainably focused project uh, was the icing on the cake for me all right well jake same question for you how did you spend your summer between your first and second year yeah, it's a good question. I spent my summer uh, working for DuPont in their building materials uh, division uh, in, in Delaware uh, in sort of a, a strategy role, uh, also with a pretty heavy sustainability component, thinking about kind of what's three to five years in the future for them. Um, so I did some work that was related to some of their products and how to make them more climate friendly. Um, I had one project that also touched on circularity, uh, like Nick's mentioning, um, this wasn't it's a little bit more hands-off uh, in that in that environment where a material is put into a building and then how does it ultimately get recycled at the end of life of that building and then ultimately end back up in the supply chain for the you know the next generation of the same type of, of, of building product. Um, I actually had a heck of a time trying to figure out what I wanted to do for my summer because um, coming to school with an entrepreneurial background, I, I, I struggled with the decision of like, do I want to pick an industry or do I want to pick a role or do I want to pick some other facet of it? Uh, and DuPont was a, a great place to spend my summer because it really allowed me to, um, to experience something completely new. I'd never worked in a, in a, in a big company before. Obviously they're a large firm. I knew I wanted to do something sustainability related and, um, kind of heavy industry is a is space in sustainability that maybe doesn't come to mind um, right away. And so it sort of allowed me to kind of dive into a place where there is a ton of a ton of stuff going on related to sustainability. Um, and it's, it's, it's a whole different set of problems to solve um, of how you make something cleaner and, and more recyclable and all that type of, of, of stuff. It's not just, you know, clean energy, which is very fascinating and interesting. This is just a, a richer, a richer, um, place for me personally to learn and figure out if, if that's what I wanted to do. All right. Well, it's always great to hear about uh, how people spent their summers. Um, and we, we always try to acknowledge here on the podcast, I think it's important for people to know um, this is all part of the exploration process for people, right? Um, I think there's sometimes when people are prospective students, you feel like, oh gosh, I got to figure out everything in the first year, that internship, et cetera. No, it's just, it's part of the process. If you might go and do something you really enjoyed and great, um, or you might go and do it. And that's just more feedback for you to come into your second year, sort of thinking about what you want to do after, after graduation. And so um, let's talk about uh, your second year. Uh, how, how are things uh, going, Jake? Um, how's your second year so far? Second year has been good. Um, similar to first year, we hit the ground running. And I think one of the things that um, has really defined the year for me is is I knew that Darden was student run when I came to Darden, and that there are so many initiatives and events and things that are put on. Um, but I didn't fully appreciate that if something is student run, that means students do everything for it. And it's awesome. Um, and so, for example, I'm the both Nick and I are on the the board of the general management club at Darden, and we do a bunch of a bunch of events, and so that sort of um, uh, required uh, a bunch of work, and, and it was a really great experience uh, for me at the beginning of the year. Um, and then classes hit the ground running, and everybody's back for their internships, and if you choose to re-recruit, that's happening. Um, so I don't know, sort of been a whirlwind. It's crazy for me that today was the last day of classes for the whole fall semester. Well, Nick, how about you? Has it been a busy year for you? I take it since, uh, well, at least it sounds like you're you're busy with the General Management Club amongst other things. So how's your second year? Yeah, for sure. Busy, but fun. Um, I would, I would bold underline, italicize, emphasize the, the resources that this school has um, have really become incredibly apparent in my second year. Everywhere from the Batten Center uh, to staff to the network to just talking to peers um I, i've really pivoted to exploring the real estate development spaces we'll talk about here as well with this venture and the the community has just opened their arms wholeheartedly um and, and helped us get there so case in point we've, we've been a part of a venture velocity class with with one of our um our professors damon devito and, and he basically has has helped us take this idea from a nascent stage. This is an interesting space. There seems like there's a market efficiency here, all the way to to a viable business product now. So 
between that and, and the connections that we've been able to kind of run this by um, to to the community, um, it's it's again just been very apparent how, how beneficial the, the program is from from a learning development uh, standpoint. Well, that does open uh, open the door to talk about sort of the next phase of our conversation, which is your venture. But before we do that. I think this is the first mention of the General Management Club here on the podcast. So I want to talk just a little bit more about, about what it is. Jake, you introduced uh, the General Management Club here uh, as part of your mention of your second year and how things are going. Tell us a little bit more about what the club is and, and what it does. Yeah, so I'm the president of the board and, and XRVP of uh, finance and corporate engagement. Um, and the club is really, uh, I guess I'd call it an umbrella uh, for the community of first years and second years who are recruiting into general management careers. Um, and, you know, the next question that that always leads to is what is general management? <laughs> and the there's no great answer to that question. General management is really um, an umbrella of career opportunities that um, exists in just about every company at some levels, at some level. It's about, you know, can you actually manage a business unit, manage a team to achieve a business objective? Um, so the role that Nick had last summer counts as a general management role in many regards. The role I had, even though it was very different, counts as a general management role. Um, uh, you know, some other big names uh, of employers at Darden who often, you know, kind of recruit in this space. You, you have um, uh, DuPont, you have Invista, Danaher, um, even some companies like a, a relatively new company called Team Shares that is a private equity fund that purchases small businesses, hires recent MBAs to be um, CEOs of those businesses and kind of to grow them. You get a CEO role right out of, of school. All of that is general management. And the biggest challenge for students is, as far as um, you know, we've sort of identified is the the experience can be very isolating because each of these companies is only hiring, you know, one, two, maybe five students at most um, from Darden. And you can contrast that with the finance or consulting roles where you have 30 or 40 students going to some of these firms. Everybody kind of had the same process to go through. Um, so where some of the other career clubs at Darden get to offer very tactical resources of this is how you do a case interview or this is how you network in a very specific format. Uh, general management is much more around building relationships between people who are engaged in this very individual process um, so that it doesn't feel so isolating so that you have people to talk with. You can share your experiences, commiserate, offer tips. Um, so we do everything from just sort of hosting a big industry conference at the beginning of the year, kind of introducing students to the types of things general managers work on uh, to some behavioral interview stuff. We actually just had a storyteller from, um, from New York City, he's a, a longtime host at the Moth and kind of a world-renowned storyteller. Come in and do some some interview prep stuff for folks in this space. So it's sort of a, a little bit of everything, but um, it's a very uh, rewarding career club to be involved with because um, there are so many people kind of doing so many different cool things within it. I love the Moth. That's so interesting. That's great, um, um, Nick. Anything you'd want to add about the General Management Club? Yeah, I mean, Jake. Jake is our our fearless leader. He keeps up all the the good points. Um, it's it's a, it's a really helpful club, as Jake alluded to, being on on the receiving side uh, first year, trying to triangulate what all the different options are out there. As Jake said, it once you get outside kind of the main recruiting packs of um, of of uh, investment banking and consulting, it, it starts to become a bit of the wild west. And, between the career center and the the GMO club, it's it's a it's a really strong source to to make sure your stories are up in line, to make sure that your resume is up in line, and, and that you're targeting and not missing any opportunities um, that are coming through. So, speak speak very highly of uh, of both the career center and, and the GMO club for that reason. All right. Well, thank you for indulging the digression. It's just not uh, like I said. It's a novel opportunity. I can't let it pass. I know there's a listener who's like, "Wait, wait, wait." Jake said something about the General Management Club. Can you ask him more about that? So, um, dear listener, that was for you. Um, so, um, let's talk about your venture, though. I, I mentioned uh, Damon Devito's name comes up a bunch. Venture Velocity comes up a bunch here on the podcast when we talk when we talk with student. Um, founders, students who are seeking to launch a launch a venture, exploring entrepreneurial opportunity, um, and so Tuckamore Development Partners. Uh, this was this is your venture. You recently competed in the E Cup, the Entrepreneurship Cup, 
uh, here at UVA. This is a UVA-wide competition. There's three uh, phases of it. Um, so Nick, tell us a little bit more about what Tuckamore Development Partners is. Yeah, so kind of the the genesis of this idea was both Jake and I are are very excited about trying to solve some of the climate challenges that the world is facing. So we started kind of poking around uh, during our first year of what are some of the major polluting industries and and can we leverage our backgrounds and our MBA to to attack some of those problems. And what we what we really started drawing on was the the built environment. It constitutes forty percent of global greenhouse gas emissions. Eleven percent of that is due to concrete and steel. So we started trying to find okay, are there alternatives to concrete and steel? Are there efficiencies within concrete and steel that can be can be realized to to help reduce that number? We came across this product called Mass Timber, and Mass Timber is a it's really a series of engineered wood products that ranges from floor panels to columns that you would see in, in buildings. Um, it's it's but basically a bunch of two by sixes stacked on top of each other, glued, pressed. It's as strong as concrete and steel. It's fire resistant. And most importantly, it constitutes 60% greenhouse gas savings against those figures. And through current US building codes, IDC 21, you can build up to 18 stories and, and more and more municipalities are adopting this across the United States. And we started double clicking on it and Started going out, talking to manufacturers, talking to developers, engineers, architects who have used and who have not used this material. And we realized that the market needs a bit of push in the right direction from an operational efficiency standpoint. So what Tuckmore is going to do, we're standing up fabrication and design facilities that are really close to markets. And they're going to cut, they're going to sell, buy, cut, and ship these panels and beams really quickly to work sites. Uh, construction companies really indexed very hard on, on on time on site on high quality delivery of their materials um, so that's kind of our, our value proposition there we're, we're probably going to start this up in in the northeast uh, there's a deficit of suppliers in that area um, and in conversations with with manufacturers and conversations with developers everyone's looking to get involved in this space and coming down the pipeline are increased regulations on on industries across the board, specifically publicly listed companies. And so those developers on on that side of the dice are really getting pressured, especially from the European investors, to start actualizing on some of the, the carbon saving claims that they, they have in their portfolios and on their new start for building. So every every rock we overturn, we see a new challenge. Uh, every conversation we have, we see a new opportunity. Folks are super excited about partnering with us. And, and we've gone from the ideation phase, um, all the way through the effectuation phase, which we could talk about and, and now have an actual business plan together and are, are ready to start going out and having investor conversations. So it's it's been a great uh, accelerator time for us and the garden community has been pretty instrumental in getting our, our ship in order, so to speak. Jake, did I miss anything? I'm sure I did. No, I think I think that was a great overview. I mean, I think we could, I could definitely speak more to process and the things we've learned, but um you know, I, the the fun part, an interesting part, I think, in the, the the business school and entrepreneurial space for trying to build a venture like this is, I think, a lot of times there's an assumption that's that new ventures are tech startups uh, or apps or maybe an apparel an apparel line, um, uh, and what we're trying to build is not we're trying to replace concrete and steel with wood uh, because it's fundamentally better for the climate um, and. It has been awesome to just engage with people, whether it be the folks in Damon's class and all the other ventures. And there's a tremendous diversity of ventures there. And there's this wonderful community of supporting each other, um, but also just across grounds, uh, talking with professors, using it for class projects um, and seeing our, 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 our friends kind of dig in and get excited. And, real, you know, it, for us, it's really valuable to have their brains. And for them, I think it is sort of starting to expand the the, the horizons of what types of companies can you start? And that is also kind of fun. So um, Nick, you'd mentioned uh, kind of gone through these phases uh, with with this particular idea. Where, where do things stand uh, right now? Uh, where are you on your entrepreneurial journey with Tuckamore Development Partners? Yeah, so we mentioned Venture Velocity with Damon and we just wrapped that up with a pitch night down at the Code Building in Charlottesville. It's a um, center for entrepreneurship down here. And effectively, we've got, we have our deck and model. We've got 
nascent partnership conversations in the uh in the in the mix we have our site selection finalized and it's it's effectively up to jake and us to to continue pushing the envelope here the venture velocity class was pretty pretty helpful in in having us accelerate our our assumptions about what we were we were claiming on the on the project itself and so really getting investor ready i would say so damon in particular He's he's very literate in this space, very experienced in this space, and, and challenged us to to hit specific milestones every other week and make sure that we kept the ball moving and the momentum going. And Jake and I are now in a place where we're confident in in the business model and the integrity of it, and are, are excited to start reaching out to have some more meaningful conversations with partners. It's interesting uh, to me having heard Damon talk with some student uh, founders before how he is pushing them and like asking sort of functioning as like an accountability partner. Uh, it, and have you, where are you with this? Okay. What about this? Have you thought about this? I'm um, just kind of continuing to sort of help push uh, things forward. And um, man, it must be really, really nice to have access to somebody with his, his level of experience who has so many connections um, who can also be there to sort of help you think through, all right, what's the next thing and the next thing, Jake, has it, has it been great? Yeah, you know, in, in my life before Darton, I was in the orbit of a couple um, higher ed institutions that had a similar position to the role that Damon plays uh, for Darton students. And I I, I don't want to speak badly of them, but like I did not have a great impression because oftentimes, you know, the advice was very surface level or it was sort of a fly in, fly out type role. There, there, it didn't feel, you know, it felt like sort of a check, a check, check the box. We have this resource available for students. And then, you know, not that much more thought was given to it. But working for Damon has been transformational because he just the, really what it is, is he listens. And it blows my it blows me away every time we interact with him because he listens and he he starts responding and having a conversation, pushing you in a direction. And if he's pushing you in a direction that you're like not really trying to go. He will listen when you say that and then go the other direction and then open his open his Rolodex and make authentic connections and call you on your stuff. Um, you know, if, if, if something doesn't feel solid to him, he'll call he'll call you on it. And it, and 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 I'm just giving a love letter to Damon at this point. But he's sort of, you know, he, he really is very supportive of students um, where they're at. So Nick and I have approach this from a, you know, at least where we started the beginning of semester, is this feasible? And he pushed us to really answer that question. There are other students in the class who wanted to build a side project because they had a job they were really excited about and he supported them there. And there's another student in the class who's already raised um, in the seven figures and is building an actual venture and trying to scale. And he supported that founder in that position too. So I, you know, I just can't say enough about how much value there was for me and for Nick and working with him um, because, you know, he's, it really came across he was authentically invested in us as us, not as some vision for us that we didn't have for ourselves. That's, that's fantastic to hear. And not, not surprising given what we've heard from other <laughs> student founders here. Um, it's interesting your point about the feasibility. Um, Cause when we talked with Elizabeth Blankenship about her idea just taking uh, this is a, a for our listeners who aren't as familiar with some of these episodes. Uh, this is a recent graduate who has this idea about taking fabrics that are luxury fabrics that haven't been used and repurposing them to create um, you know, as fashionable you know clothing, this kind of thing. And Damon's advice to her, at least as she tells the story, was like, well, what's what's the hard, you know, what's the hardest thing? What's the thing that makes you the most nervous? And her, her thing was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to even get access to these fabrics, essentially, is what she shared when she's telling her story on the podcast. He said, well, go do that thing. Um, go figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, uh, Nick, did he give you all similar advice as you're trying to figure out feasible feasibility? Can we do this? Um, what did he tell you? Yeah, I it's it's an interesting question. I, I, the answer is yes. I'm just trying to think. There's been so many of those points where it's been like, just go do it. <laughs> um, that that I'm having trouble pinning down a specific point. But I would say that from when we got the call in the summer that he was going to invite us to the class to that point, it had been it had been more of an academic exercise and, and something of interest to see. Like, hey, is this feasible? As Jake said. 
And to have somebody like Damon reach out and say, I have confidence that there is, there is a market here. He's got some, some development experience as well and, and understands the real estate space. It, it just kind of lights a spark under you and, and you're, you're like, all right, somebody, somebody who knows what they're talking about believes in me. And just having that level of confidence going into to this semester, it just, it just catapults you into to success. You envision success. Um, that's something I used to play sports and that's something our coaches always used to say. It's like, imagine yourself making the goal and you'll probably make it. It's, it's the same thing that Damon puts it out in front of us. And he kind of like keeps moving the, moving the needle a little bit, lit dangling the carrot out. And he's like, Oh, but have you done this thing yet? And it's like, oh, that's a good question, Damon. No, we haven't <laughs> just go and chase that other thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been a great experience um, in that regard and definitely challenged, challenged us to, to put together a viable product in, in something that it's, it's a very nascent market. It's a very nascent space. And there are, there are, there's a great community out there that's been very supportive of us and, and we're collectively attacking some of the challenges in the market to, to increase adoption. Um, and, and Damon's been able to help push us to, to make sure that we're, we're keeping our enterprise. At one point, we sat down with him and we asked uh, something something along the lines of like, it's been very easy to have these conversations with people who are running, you know, multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar businesses who are sort of interested in this product. Very easy to talk to them as students. And now that we're increasingly confident that there's uh, there's there there, how do we start talking to them and asking them for money and 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 talking to them as potential business partners? And Damon was like, well, what are you scared of? And uh, we said, well, we don't. We don't know, you know, what what they're going to res- how they're going to respond to the fact that, you know, when we graduate, we we don't have large uh, assets to lean on, and you know, at some point we need to to pay rent. Uh, we don't know how how much equity they're going to want. We don't know how much of a sales pipeline they want to see, uh, you know, locked in. We have this laundry list of things that we didn't know that all seemed very scary. And it's like, okay, we'll write a term sheet, and and just and bring it to me. Um, and it became it you know it became more of an intellectual exercise than it did. Um, something we, we're actually going to use in in these partnership conversations moving forward, but it really allowed us to structure our thinking, to put these fears down on paper, to think them through. Um, you know, there isn't one set of answers to them. It's you know, it all depends on the other. But it, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, like put the thing out in the world that ultimately these conversations will result in a term sheet, an agreement to actually partner together, articulate what the different pieces are that you're worried about and then start playing with them play with different combinations and see how you feel and get, you'll get to the point where you feel confident actually bringing that into a conversation and presenting yourself as as confident because you actually have that confidence so nick how was the e, how was the e-cup helpful uh to to y'all as you you know you're you're at a certain place with tuckamore development partners how was the e-cup useful along this journey yeah, uh, Jake, feel free to jump in here too. I, I would say for me, it was it came at a perfect point where we had had so many calls and we had so many theories of where to bring things that it forced us to put down on paper what all right, what's this look like, and what are the returns going to be in six years, and who are the partners, who are the major stakeholders, where is the market, um, and and it was kind of this moment that's definitely going to stand out in my mind moving forward of, wow, we know a lot about this space and we've, we've kind of identified what the solution is already. We're, we're good to go. Um, on top of that, there's, they, they do a good job of bringing in uh, folks that, that have experience in, in the spaces that, that you're looking into to help kind of coach you up and, and also be um, on the panel of judges. So having their feedback and, and learning from some of the questions that they asked after we gave our initial pitch was also super helpful. Um, somebody had stood up a manufacturing facility right after Darden to, to make Lumi juice. And um, she was asking some really good questions that, that we had we had some answers to, but, but also sparked uh, additional ideas to keep moving. So again, like a, a milestone check-in, uh, a good place to do a comprehensive review. Um, and, and an opportunity to to move forward, and and also we were lucky enough to to get a little change in the process to keep the keep the fires burning. <laughs> yeah, there there are cash prizes uh, for <laughs> for winning teams. It's worth noting that. Um, so, uh, Jake, what what comes next uh, for for your venture? What are y'all looking looking forward to here? Well, next comes finals. 
And then, <laughs> uh, no, after that, I mean, I think really, really what we've, what we've put down and come up with is a, is a, a project in, in New England, um, you know, the first facility that we want to build. Um, and we have a sense of how much it's going to cost, how much it's going to return, um, who we need to be involved to make that happen. And so it's a series of conversations to just advance that. Um, there is definitely a world where where it doesn't work. I mean, we we know that, right? There's a, there, we need a lot of help to pull this out of the ground, and everyone who could help us is going to be looking for a certain something in return. And you know, we we, we need to do that work together with them to figure out um, is this going to work for everybody. Um, but it, it, I mean, really, the next step is starting to have those conversations that I was just saying. You know, Damon was helping us prep for. Um, to sit down with folks that we've now connected with that are now open to the conversation and really lay it out and say, okay, this is what we want to build. This is how big of a facility. These are the machines. This is who we want to partner with to, you know, get contracts to actually cut some of this wood um, and and work it through with them and 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 see if you know see if we're offering them something that um, is as valuable to them as they would be to us uh, as a financial backer or infrastructure backer or or um, you know, supplier. All right. So an exciting time. Lots to look forward to. Um, well, last question. We ask all our guests here on the podcast uh, for a word of advice, uh, something that you would encourage our prospective student listeners to keep in mind as, as they continue forth on, on their MBA journey. Um, Jake, I'll, I'll start with you and Nick, I'll come to you uh, next. Um, so. Brett, I, I don't know if I'm going to get away with this, but I think I think my advice is write an excellent essay about what you want to be when you graduate from Darden. Hit submit and forget it, because <laughs> because because truly the opportunity to explore here at Darden has been life changing for me personally, um, and being able to dabble in finance classes and then explore what a finance internship would look like. Um, and then to do an internship in, you know, heavy industry. Um, I, I'm not going to be returning to that industry. Uh, I had a great experience, but it wasn't a fit for me. Um, I can't say enough good things about them. Um, and I just would hope that every student who comes to Darden leans into the same opportunity to explore and to challenge themselves. Um, and, you know, whatever they whatever you write in your essay is not, you know, nobody's going to hold you accountable to that. Um, and so being able to really kind of prove that we all have thoughts and hypotheses about what we want to be when we grow up. Uh, but now we have the opportunity to test them in ways that, you know, I, I, I it's life changing when you actually do that experimentation. Yeah, we added a, a subtle um, a few words. Uh, I don't know if people really appreciate at least how big of a deal we thought this was as an admissions committee, um, but we added uh, just an introductory clause at this time. You know, what are you thinking for your, your career goals? And and that's to signal to people that maybe it's sort of implicit in that, hopefully, is that what people understand is that this will continue to evolve maybe as you yeah. advance towards the start of school, post-matriculation. Uh, what we always try to tell people as an admissions committee, when you get to that particular essay, is we, we don't expect you to know sort of at the very granular level exactly what you want to do. But we're looking to see that you've thought about this, that you've reflected on it, that there's this kind of there's a there's a logic behind what you're putting together here. That Those are the kinds of things that we're listening for. But we also readily acknowledge that like this is about exploration, it's about transformation, all of this um, will likely continue to evolve uh, even as you get into the program. And so I appreciate your, your saying that, Jake. So Nick, you get the last word here, piece of advice for our listeners. Sure. Um, so, something I did when I was applying that I'm, I'm glad I did, I, I reached out to a lot of current students and, and alumni to, to kind of understand what their experiences are um, and, and what the opportunities are after school. And, and that allowed me to, to really write down on papers, like, all right, where do I want things to go directionally? It, it wasn't necessarily as specific as I want to do X, Y, and Z, but it was, I very much value sustainability. I very much want to live a comfortable life and the rest of my, my life, take care of my parents, et cetera. And I, I, this sounds kind of cheesy, but I do still reference those points sometimes and do a gut check of where was I? I guess two or three years ago at this point and where am I now? And it, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in 
the rankings or when you're talking to your friends or when you're in school itself and everyone's recruiting consulting and banking, but you thought you wanted to do something else. But being able to go back to that initial, when I was a kid, I want to do this. Like when I grow up, I want to do this um, statement. Uh, it enables you to kind of ground yourself um, as you move forward because uh, there, there is, there's a lot going on and uh, being able to have that that truth to yourself and, and self-reflection, I think is, is really important, especially as you're making the decision to go to an MBA program. Oh, I really appreciate uh, that point as well, Nick, because I think what we find prospective students struggle with is like, there's a thousand opinions about what you should do, uh, where you should go, what school, that school, this ranking, all this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, like it comes down to what's important to you. And, and that's something to hold on to as you get into the MBA program, because there's so much opportunity. There's so many things going on. And like, how do you figure out what you want to do? Well, it's all about what's important to you. Um, and you can get caught kind of following the crowd, all this kind of stuff that we talk with people here on the podcast about. And, and one of the things I think that's a real challenge for first year students in particular, as you're trying to navigate being in an MBA program. It's, it's all new. No one really quite knows, but um, you're all sort of like trying to figure it out together and um, keeping in touch with those first principles, doing that self-reflection, that important work, understanding your values, what's meaningful to you that will help with that prioritization and, and charting that path. So, so appreciate uh, y'all coming here on the podcast, sharing your story. Uh, good luck to Tuckamore Development Partners. Uh, we look forward, maybe we'll have you back up on the podcast to hear how things are going. A New England manufacturing facility, perhaps, uh, in, in the future. <laughs> Fingers That's, crossed. Yeah. Thanks, Brett, for inviting us. It was, it was great. And thanks, Nate, in the background there. Um, it's been nice meeting you guys and talking to you. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to come and, come and talk with you, Brett. It's been, it's been great. And that was my interview with Jake Eichengreen and Nick Farmer, two second-year students in our full-time MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.